over the last few months at Gateway, we've, our pastoral team has actually been part of quite a number, an unusually high amount of funerals of people who are directly related uh, to Gateway. And I can't remember a time at Gateway where we've experienced kind of so much loss in such a short period of time. It's un- and as unusual as that seemed, as we've been walking through it, losing people is a part of the rhythm of being a human being, isn't it? It's part of the cycle of, of the life that we have to live. Thankfully, uh, and Lucy actually came out and had a, a word that reminded me and fit in with this, that we have a Savior, Jesus, who is our shepherd, who actually walks with us through these things. That as our relationships have been pulled apart and we've experienced the loss of those things, we have a Savior who's actually walking us through that valley of death where we don't need to fear evil, but he's actually walking us through and up and over to the other side to a place of healing. And one of the reasons that we experience grief over the loss of somebody in our life is because we're connected. There's this unseen bond of relationship. Um, and, and now there's this, this hole that's left behind in, in our life, in our heart. We have their memory. Uh, and as followers of Jesus, we also have this hope that one day uh, we will meet them again. We will see them in eternity with Jesus. And whether it was a five-year battle with illness or whether it was a random car accident that took someone suddenly, there's a hole. There is a tearing that occurs in our, in our life. They're no longer here. Uh, that bond of relationship that's invisible to the naked eye is very real. It's something that actually wove us together. And we understand that the greater the connection is that we have with someone, chances are the greater the level of grief will often be uh, when a loss happens. Grief, it's a, it's a universal experience uh, across the globe. No matter what your people group is, what your culture is uh, on the planet, no matter how differently we may express our beliefs and walk through grief and loss, we all experience it. And why am I starting out this morning by talking about death and grief and loss? Well, I'm doing so because I actually just wanted us quickly to get in touch with the deep bonds of relationship that actually connect us together, not only with the Lord, but together and as family and as community and as the body of Christ. Especially in a society that doesn't always seem to value or think about things in these terms. And that's why I titled the message today, Me versus We. Uh, You see, bonds of relationship are not just formed by, you know, uh, two parents creating a life and bringing you into the world and connecting you to a family. No, actually, the God of the universe, our Father in heaven, who we've been worshiping this morning, he actually created you for relationship. It's, it's hardwired. It, it's, we're meant for relationship. We're designed for connection. We're created and designed this way. Um, you actually bear his likeness. You, you've been sealed as an, as an image bearer of God. You are, are valuable because you've been created by him. He's put his stamp of approval on you. And he has plans for your life. He has plans and wants you to actually know him. He wants that actually to be your primary 
relational bond together that will never, ever break. Now, first, we were designed for a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That could be taken as the individual me part. But next, we were designed for a relationship with other people. That's the we part that we can't forget about. And we can't just get stuck on the me part. See, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they were already in community, already in family, long before the earth was created and time began. But God decided that he was going to create community and relationship with a wider family by creating us. Our Heavenly Father wanted a family. He wanted a family that would know true love and satisfaction through knowing and worshiping him. That, that we would actually have the opportunity to know the same love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit actually exchange together. Now, Adam and Eve, well, they broke that relationship through their sinful disobedience in the Garden of Eden. But then Jesus Christ, who we sometimes call the second Adam, God's Son, he restored that relationship and connection through his death and through his resurrection. Hallelujah. Now, looking at our lives and relationship connections in these kinds of ways actually help us to be reminded of the need for relationship and connection that's hardwired into us. Sometimes we forget this. It's hardwired. It's not something you can escape. You can try and squish it down, push it out, distance yourself, build walls, whatever it is, but that hardwiring is still going to always be there. It's part of our body's DNA. We can't escape it. And when we don't have relationships, we begin to actually wither away. Now, let me contrast this hardwiring, this need for relationship, with our Western society and many others that are growing along this way. They would say, well, you don't need people. You should be able to succeed, what, on your own, right? By yourself. Pull, your up by, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? All you need is three people in your life. Me, myself, and I, right? Uh, let's see, these devices, you know, these smartphones, they've, they've become actually the primary source for relationship instead of actually meeting and relating actually this way without this thing kind of in, in between, right? Um, we used to have a telephone, but <laughs> now there's all this other stuff that comes with this that bleeds into every aspect of our life. So this actually becomes our buffer. We, we, we've stopped connecting with real people. In one sense, yes, FaceTime, I can connect with a real person, right? But there's still this buffer in between, uh, a buffer that gives us the opportunity to either consume or not consume, to relate or not to relate. It's a buffer that, that makes it easier you know, to answer with an email rather than face that angry person <laughs> uh, right up front. Uh, it makes it easier for us to um, selfishly break up some, with someone through a text because uh, then you don't have to experience that person getting so emotional, right? Because that would make me feel bad. It's like, what? Okay. But feelings of loneliness, isolation, they're at a societal high. 
people, they're, they're flocking to seminars on, on how to create meaningful relationships and friendships. Why? Because in our push towards individualism and the pursuit of me, we have this generation of people that has forgotten how to have deep, meaningful relationship. And depending on where you live in the world, thanks to, in one sense, the wonderful gift of the internet, but also the big mammoth company Amazon, we never actually need to leave our house, do we? Depending on where you live, you never need to leave. <laughs> in fact, you, if you wanted, or if you worked from home, you could go for weeks without ever having to physically touch or interact with another human being. I, you know, I'd never minimize this, but do you see how depression, worry, anxiety, loneliness are some of the top issues that people are struggling with in our society? We were created for relationships, for relationship. But our society, but actually, no, deeper than that, the devil, our enemy, has actually developed strategies and lies that have worked to actually disconnect us and keep us from living the way that we were designed. The lie of individualism at the expense of our need for community and connection has acted as this poison in our culture and in our church. We need an antidote. It's not just only me, me, the king of my life. And then forgetting the we, the people who are around me and I'm meant to be in relationship with and work together with. So with our present stage kind of set, let's travel back in time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to read what Paul was teaching the Corinthian church about 2,000 years ago about relationships and the church. He was dealing with the same poison that was trying to separate people from each other. And he was giving them the antidote, which is found being part of the body of Christ, being part of community, being part of the family. He was working against this me versus we mentality. Now, a few verses previous, uh, before we get into where we're going to start in verse 12, Paul's just finished listing off some of the many spiritual gifts uh, that have been given by the Holy Spirit to the church uh, as followers of Christ, uh, people who are part of the church, known as the body of Christ, given these various things. And now he's actually following up with this and he's making the argument that all these gifts, they're meant to be practiced in my home by myself. You know, I can prophesy to myself can give a word of knowledge to myself, I can help myself, I can serve myself, I can administrate myself, I can lead myself, right? <laughs> All sorts of various spiritual gifts, but they're actually meant to be practiced in community, not isolation. And he's making the argument that, we've been, that we are meant to be vitally connected together as the church. And so let's read. We're going to read a number of verses here, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would make it not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing come from? If the whole body were an ear, where would there be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, yet one body. I think there's a theme here. (laughs) The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that think they're less honorable, we actually bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's a mouthful. Sometimes it, if this particular passage of Scripture feels like... Um, a, a little rhyme that, that my mom taught me years ago of a big run-on sentence. She would just write the whole thing as one big, long sentence without any spaces in it and say, okay, parse it. Actually break it up into its, its various parts. And it goes like this. That that is, is. That that is not, is not. That that is not, is not. Is it not? <laughs> this passage of Scripture kind of feels a bit like that. Because you're kind of going, okay, what, where, where, where is he going with all of this? Well, essentially, the image of the body and its various parts give us this vivid picture of interconnectedness instead of isolation. It is one body, not independent parts. Individual parts are actually working together. Every part valuable, no matter how small or how hidden. And all of the gifts that have been given by the Spirit to each individual, all working in concert together. That's why I love this picture of all these gears, just kind of working in concert with one another. Every part needed, essential to keep the body working and vital. Sometimes people do this this, uh, simple exercise of trying to figure out what part of the body, what part of the body am I? I wonder, am I an ear, am I a hand, am I a foot, right? I remember somebody telling me, it was, you know, comical, but but serious at the same time because it's how they actually felt. They laughed along with me, but they said, you know, I feel like I'm an appendix. Because <laughs> they were saying, because I, f- I feel like nobody knows what I'm for, and if I got cut out, nobody would miss me. Right? You can see, there's, there's, like, that's how they were feeling. We had, can, we, she could laugh at it, but that's how she was kind of feeling. Maybe on the other hand, maybe you feel like you're a big toe that's always getting stubbed, you know, and you'd rather, you'd rather be a hand or a mouth or an eyelash or something like that. Um, but the better exercise is not to figure out what body part you are, but rather what gifts have you been given by the Holy Spirit and how are you going to use them? Never mind what the body part is. 
What are those gifts? And in Corinth, Paul was speaking to people who were actually sitting on their gifts. You know, we have an expression in English, sitting on your hands. It means you've got something in your hands to be able to do, but you're sitting on them and not doing anything with them. Um, And as they weren't functioning in the church, the church was actually the lesser for it. Uh, There were forces at work that were trying to pull them apart and they needed to be reminded about how vital each other and where this relationship and the bond was that they have in Christ Jesus. And when one person suffers, as it says in verse 26 that we were reading, when one person suffers, the whole body suffers. When one person's honored, we all rejoice and can rejoice together in that success. And those bonds of success and those bonds of relationship are held together by Jesus himself as we seek to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit together. Heaven's resources actually stand ready to make that body work. And we need to find out, what's my gift? Where do I fit? How do I make this body a vital living organism? I suppose the question Paul could have asked them, and us, I guess, today is, are you moving toward community and connectedness, the kind that you were actually created and designed for, or are you moving toward independence and isolation? Which way are you moving? The truth is, everyone needs a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That actually brings you into true community, true family, true connectedness that you were designed for right at your very, the very heart of you. And when you start that relationship, immediately you become an adopted member of the family of God, millions, like millions of others before you. And you become part or a member of the body of Christ, something that actually no one can ever take away from you. It's imperishable. It's eternal. It's something that is yours as a gift. The Holy Spirit begins to reside in you, transform you, equip you with gifts that you can use to encourage the the people who are around you in the body, but also people who don't know Jesus yet. That's part of how we're wired. This is what you were created for. Dissatisfaction and discontentment starts to set in when we're not functioning the way we were designed. Not only do you need Jesus, but his body needs you, and you need the body. It's how we're wired. Maybe you've been actively growing in this. Maybe you've been learning and beginning to understand the spiritual gifts that you've been given. Well, in chapter 12... Paul talks about supernatural sign gifts like prophecy and tongues and words of wisdom and knowledge. But he also talks in other parts of the Bible uh, about other things like I mentioned before, like leadership and administration. There's a whole host of different things that are up there uh, that we can find in Scripture that are gifts that we've been given to use. Even if you only have one gift, and that's very rare, you have a place. You have a part to play. You are needed. And if you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, I mean, we've got an online resource that we use to help people kind of narrow down and focus in on on things, and we can make that resource available to you. But I want to give you two really practical questions to actually explore this and confirm it. And the first question to ask yourself is, is, what do others affirm in you? 
Never mind what you think. What do other people actually affirm in you? If you think you're a teacher and nobody else does, you're not going to have a class. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe you're not a teacher. Right? If you want to manage and administrate an office, but you have a tough time keeping your own personal life in order and scheduling yourself out of bed in the morning, chances are you might not have the gift of administration. Chances are. On the other hand, people are usually pretty good at letting you know when you've been doing something that's a blessing, something that you've done that consistently blesses people and brings life where, where you are. Um, your gifting is always something that you can grow in and do better at, but you don't, you don't have to try and make it work, like trying to ram a square peg into a round hole. Right? Don't, don't try and make that thing fit. The body of Christ has the habit of actually affirming and confirming the things that you're gifted in. Yes, sometimes the body doesn't see those things when we're going, yeah, but I really think this is what God's speaking to me. That is a possibility. Sometimes we are blind, depending on how we look at things, but it is good to hear together in community and affirm one another. The, the second question is, what actually makes you feel alive when you're doing it? What makes you feel alive? Usually those are the things that we're gifted in. Uh, that, that actually bring us joy and satisfaction because that's the part that we're meant to play in the body. It's what God actually created us for. And for me, over the years, I guess it's been affirmed and confirmed, I guess, um, that I'm, I'm part of my gifting is being a shepherd, being a pastor. I actually did it long before I ever got paid to do it. In my places of work, I was always helping people to figure out life's challenges, to listen to people, to work to heal relationships, to help broken people find wholeness, to help them to find Jesus. Those are all things a pastor, a shepherd's heart, wants to do. It's part of how I was wired. And do you know one of my greatest joys at Gateway? Yes, of course, it's all of you. Right? There we go. It's the, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> But one of the things that I absolutely love being a part of is Set Free Retreats. Now, this isn't a big ad for Set Free Retreats. When I am teaching and leading those retreats, I have the wonderful benefit of being able to see Jesus actually heal and move into people's lives through his Holy Spirit and set them free. But as I am working, as I am at that you know, pulpit or music stand teaching, and partnering with the Holy Spirit, I just feel the wind of the Holy Spirit in my sails, filling me, encouraging me, blowing me along. I feel like I'm actually doing exactly what I was created for, and it's exciting. And even though it's a tiring weekend, I actually leave that weekend feeling energized and full. That's how I know I'm right in the pocket of what I'm wired to be doing. What is that for you? That's what it's like when you found your spot in the body. And if you don't know what your gifts are, well, let us help you with that. Talk to Norma or I about that. Talk to one of the people in your cell group. Explore it. Now, I realize that there's times that we need to take a break. We need to rest. We need to heal. Get that. Sometimes we're in a transition where we might have been out of balance with something and we're trying to readjust. That's just part of life. But if you know what your gifts are and you're sitting on them, well, then the rest of us are actually losing out 
on what you uniquely have to contribute here in this place as part of God's plan that he's building with us as a local church, not only in this place, but in your spheres of influence as you're connected into things. You know, if the Lord's brought you here, it means he has a place for you to fit and to use your gifts. But also, if we sit on those gifts too long, we actually start to wither on the vine. That's what happens. I've seen it happen. You'll get dissatisfied. You'll get disillusioned with the church. And the result will actually be disconnection and you start to distance yourself. Why? Because we were made to give the gifts that we've been given. That's the simple thing. We're meant to share the fruit that we bear. You know, it, it might happen on a, on a Sunday in a particular ministry or during the week in your small group. It might happen at your workplace. It might happen on your school campus or at home with your family and the relationships that you have, have, have there. Um, I mean, sorry to be a bit blunt with the imagery, but if we're receiving from the Lord and there's no output or flow from your life, then we become spiritually constipated. That's what happens. Just like what happens to us physically, if we only, it only gets increasingly uncomfortable until we can clear the blockage. Sorry, it's a little blunt, but that's what happens to us when we stop this flow. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm, gonna take, I'm just going to take a break for a while. But then they actually never start back up again. It, it's a bit like you or your kids graduating from high school and, and you want to take that gap year to work or to travel, etc. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not careful, years can go by before you actually realize that you've actually stopped pursuing the dreams and things that you had previously the things that you actually felt like you were being led into. Can I say this? We need you. And you need us. Together. We need you for, we don't need you just for what you can do. As helpful as that is. We actually need you for who you are. There is a big difference I don't just need you to do something in a ministry here on a Sunday morning and, and be a widget and a gear, a cog that just simply you know, does a job. No, I believe God created you for a purpose, that you are someone that God has created and gifted. And that's actually meant to be infused into what we do. And when we find the right place for you, when you find that place of life uh, in the body, wherever that might be, whether it's inside the church or outside the church, there's life that happens. There's satisfaction in us that happens. And it's okay to be a little bit selfish about that because we're actually doing what God designed us to do. And when we do what God's designed us to do, what happens? He gets the glory. Isn't that great? <laughs> I don't know if somebody else is cheering along with me. That's great. <laughs> So when we find our place, life and ministry have a flow. And if I could have, I would have put like 12 other people in that tunnel, on that ride, that guy riding the wave. Because it's not just me, it's we. It's us together, right? <laughs> I missed something. 
But there's a grace. There's a grace to keep pace with life. There's a, a grace that helps us to find balance between the receiving and the giving. And when we embrace what God's actually created in us, we find life, we find satisfaction, we find that we're living out his design for us. It's no longer just me, it's us together, it's we. And Paul says in verse 18 in our chapter 12 today, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. There's purpose in where you've been placed. God It means he has uniquely given you a place to fulfill in Christ's body that has been ordained and chosen by him. A unique grace, a unique capacity and call that others will not have in exactly the same way. I mean, to steal a line from you, Wendy, you've said it many, many times. It's what's your piece of the puzzle, right? You fit somewhere. Maybe you've been trying to be a hand when you're really an elbow. <laughs> you know? Or maybe you don't want to be an elbow, but you're trying to be a hand. You know? Whatever the case is, it's important for us to actually discover and embrace who we are. Not to try becoming or keep trying to become something we're actually not. And embracing what God's actually designed us to be. Every part's equal. It's equal value. And we all need each other, connected and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Last week, Norm created a a table at the back in the foyer uh, to help people find various places of opportunity to minister right here, whether on a Sunday morning and in various capacities here at South Osborne. Maybe you're ready for that kind of an opportunity and you're not connected anywhere that way. Well, have a look at the back uh, after the service today and see if there's anywhere where you want to experiment with and sign up for do it. Take the, take the plunge. Um, I'd like to give us, though, as, as I kind of get towards the end of things today, I'd like to give us a tool to help you focus your thoughts a bit as you bring this area of your gifting before the Lord in prayer. Because I don't think it's one of those things that we kind of set it and forget it. It's one of those things that we kind of get a general idea at some point in our life of what that skill set and giftings are. But then the Lord keeps kind of changing, morphing, equipping, shaping, transforming that as we go on through life. So we need to keep coming back to it and saying, okay, Lord, am I in the right spot still? Is there something that I'm just kind of, you know, some of us, you know, we need, we need a giant bomb to go off before we'll actually move from where we are to doing something different. Other people are far more flexible and can change at the drop of a hat. Um, but in this area, I wanted to give us a little bit of something, um, someone, the person who sh- shared this with me told me that it was a Rick Warren acronym. It seems like it is, but I couldn't confirm it. Certainly it sounds Rick Warren-y. Um, <laughs> uh, but he also has this uh, wonderful book called Discovering Your Shape. It's a great, fantastic resource if you've never kind of explored this whole area in your life before. Rick Warren, Discovering Your Shape. There's my book plug for the day, and I'll get some royalties. <clears throat> When, when you prayerfully consider where to serve in the body, you need to consider, here's the acronym, you need to consider your design. Your design. What does that mean? The D. First, it's your desire. What's actually the context that you're going to use this gift in? You know, sorry to pick on you, Walter, this morning, 
Um, Walter and I partnered together in, in teaching Gateway 100 this morning, did a great job. Um, Walter, on more than one occasion, has told me, I like to teach, but please don't ask me to work with kids. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, I like them fine enough, you know, <laughs> but I'll go crazy if that's where you stick me. <laughs> please just leave me to teach the adults. And so that's why Gateway 100 working together this morning. And it fulfills something in you, doesn't it? You feel excited by that. That's the desire. That's the context, okay? And your gift has a context based on your personality, your character, your skills, and, and what you love to do. Uh, the E is your experience. Um, this is thinking about how you utilize your gifts in conjunction with the various opportunities and experiences you've already had in your life. You know, where could those experiences be used to actually raise the water level in a particular ministry of the church? Maybe there's an area that you have expertise in and experience in that you could actually come and serve and the whole boat would get lifted in that ministry because of what you bring to it through that experience. Uh, we've been talking about it all morning. Uh, the S is spiritual gifts. This is simply understanding what the Holy Spirit's actually poured into you and that you have a sense of, of what those things are and, and how they fit together and are used in the body of Christ. If you have questions about that, there's great resources, like I mentioned, about discovering your shape. Um, but also, we have an Empower Ministers Weekend that will happen in the spring of next year that goes through and teaches us how the Holy Spirit gives gifts and how they work and how we're meant to be empowered to use those in His church. And then there's individual style. This is where the me kind of creeps back in in a good way. <laughs> how, am, how am I going to be me as I express these gifts. You are a unique creation. Sometimes you may have felt when you've brought you into a situation, it hasn't been received. Maybe people thought you were weird. Maybe people thought you were too conservative. Maybe they thought you were too this or too that or whatever. But your individuality, your style, has a context for ministry as well. Um, it's like the different colors uh, that a painter paints with. You know, there's, there's different shades of green. There's different shades of red that all kind of end up working together, even though they can be very different from one another, like a green or a red or a blue and an orange, even though a blue and an orange are totally complementary colors on the spectrum. There you go, Andrea. I hope you're proud of me, wherever you are. Thank you. <laughs> um, the G is growth. How will you use this gift in a particular growth phase in your life? Meaning, usually everybody has this growing edge, the place where we're learning and we're growing in, a, in that, a particular stage of our life. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're a seasoned one. Maybe you're, you're a new parent or a grandparent or single. Whatever that is, uh, how will that actually change where you invest your time and energy? You know, um, another person I wanted to point out this morning was Tyler. Um, Tyler is a cool example of this. He was baptized not too long ago, made a fresh commitment uh, to Jesus. And Tyler, from what I've seen, has, loves to act. 
uh, that whole field of, of uh, theater and, and whatnot and directing and stage managing. He's been growing in that at the university. Um, and this past week, he was able to put those gifts, those talents, that individuality, everything, he was able to put that together to use as a blessing for Harold and Wendy and the whole team that was putting together this massive care portal launch at the Human Rights Museum. Um, Tyler was able to put, pull together a number of people, some people here from the South, great job, by the way, um, where you were able to put together this sketch uh, that ministered to people as they were beginning to think about how needs can be met in our community. Right? There were all sorts of other volunteers there um, on that special night, but I just wanted to highlight Tyler because it fits exactly what I'm trying to say. He was using a current area of growth in his life to play a part in a much bigger whole. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. And then the N, uh, the last part of design, is your natural ability. Did you know that even without being a follower of Jesus, you've been given gifts simply because of who you are? You are, remember what I said, you are a created one. God has created you. That means that he has also given you gifts. He's designed who you are. Whether you know Jesus Christ or not, you have a natural ability to do certain things. And how will you use those natural abilities, gifts, and talents to be able to bless the body of Christ wherever you are in the world? So all of these things are part of your design. Factor those things um, And they factor into the vital place that you have in the body of Christ. And I'll just leave you with this before I pray. Um, How do you fit? Do you know how you fit? And if you already do know how you fit, can I encourage you with something? Because some of you absolutely know where you fit. Can you encourage someone? Can you bless somebody by affirming the gifts that you see in them? Because they might not know yet. You can be part of the body, working to encourage, call and cheer one another on uh, in saying, yeah, I see this in you. You're amazing at that. How can we get you connected in and doing more of that? That's how the gears keep moving. The gears keep going along as Jesus keeps unveiling and revealing to us how we were created and how we fit.